0: Welcome back to the DealMakers podcast show with serial entrepreneur Alejandro Cremades, best-selling author of The Art of Startup Fundraising and co-founder at Panthera Advisors. In this podcast, we ask our guests about their successful acquisitions and financing rounds. Alrighty, hello everyone and welcome to the DealMakers show. So today we have another inspiring founder joining us. You know, we're going to be talking about Basically, what he's doing with this rocket ship that uh, he started, you know, talking about early stage fundraising, how things maybe didn't unfold the way that he had hoped for. But obviously, you know, like now, you know, they've raised quite a bit of money. Uh, Also, going about getting the first customer on board, uh, things like bringing talent and engaging them, retaining them, as well as choosing the right investors, how to go about that. So, without further ado, let's welcome our guest today, Maxim. Melamedov, Medov, welcome to the show.
1: Hi, Alejandro. Thank you for having me. Happy
0: to be here. So, originally born in the Soviet Union, and then eventually you moved to Israel at age nine. So, give us a walk through memory lane. How was life growing up?
1: Um, honestly, not easy. Not a walk in the park when you land in a brand new country, don't know the language, you don't know anything about it, and when the entire family moves so you're actually the person that people reach out and you're they're actually dependent on you to be their voice and their ears because you will have the highest probability of learning a new language uh, but you know what doesn't what things that are difficult actually would end up making you stronger so this is i've moved twice in my life at the age of nine i moved from soviet union to israel and at the age of 41, I moved from Israel to the Bay Area in the U.S.
0: How do you think that uh, that also shaped you? I mean, uh, Soviet Union, Israel, also starting in Israel from nothing, you know, new friends, new things, you know, taking the charge to us as as a member in the family. How do you think that made you who you are today?
1: So it puts a lot of uh, a lot of it puts you in a lot of unpleasant uncomfortable situations where you just have to navigate and figure things out so it made me more an outgoing person more curious person to understand and learn different cultures and different behaviors of different people and it made me actually more adjustable um because once somebody constantly moves pieces and major pieces, it makes
0: you to figure out how you adjust faster to changes. So in your case, you know, actually part of being in Israel, you know, two is same, um, uh, going to the army, but before you went to the army, you actually got your degree in engineering. Uh, and th- then after the army, then you decided to do business management. So what, well, what, well, Obviously, you already had the engineering degree. So why throwing another degree in the mix?
1: So I come from a family. When we moved to Israel, uh, most of my family members became entrepreneurs. Right. It's, it's a way of saying, hey, I can." I coming from a different culture. I understand different elements that we can bring from a country that we left and we see a gap that we can fill. So we can start a business. So the vast majority of my family are in business, and uh, I kind of wanted to learn how you can build bigger businesses and how to do something more scalable because my entire family is in brick and mortar, small uh, small shops or small into medium importers So I wanted to understand how you build things bigger, at scale. Uh, and I decided to take the path of uh, of the academia to kind of figure it out.
0: Now, in your case, you know, following that course too, you decided right after, you know, you um, graduated from there to launch your own business, your first company, but it ended up not going the way that you had hoped for. Why?
1: Um, first, it was really, I was really young, uh, so a lot of a lot of assumptions that were made were completely off. I didn't really understood the market I was going into um the partner that we started this journey was and still is my best friend, but we kind of more or less identical on skill set and this is where I understood that we need someone with a different skill set but with complementary mindset so if I have to look back, this is how. This is one of the mistakes I made early on. But the journey of starting a company and trying to figure out and being the one who's pushing and setting the schedule and and making yourself active and operative, this was really fun for me. It was not having someone that, you know, you have to report or there's a structure you have to follow. You can create things.
0: Well, hey, you know, like right after that, you decided to travel around the world for quite some time. So uh, what would you say, you know, how do you say that that worldview and that analysis towards problems maybe shaped your thinking, too, from seeing that there was also a world outside of Israel?
1: So I was lucky enough to join a really interesting homeland security company that revolutionized a lot of things and um, did some awesome, awesome things that today... Made a huge impact on the global on the global scale. Unfortunately, cannot mention a lot of uh, a lot of things uh, from that experience, but it was something that helped me to see different cultures, different people, uh, different approaches to business, different ways to operate, and different capabilities. And it actually helped me to see the amazing talent pool of people that are operating in different spaces.
0: And it was also quite the, um, the segue for you to get into the world of customer support. You know, it sounds like you decided to take that one on and then you graduated through the ranks. So what, what caught your attention about customer support? Because, I mean, you were a part of a few companies uh, doing this, you know, one more at the entry level, the other one more at the VP level. But what, out of all things, customer support, why?
1: So, the reason one of the first reasons my first business failed was I wasn't tuned to the market. And the reason I decided to take the customer uh, support is actually once you listen to customers and you becoming their trusted advisor, they will chat with you and consult with you and complain to you about things that if you improve that, you will be able to retain your business, and actually grow your business. So being very attuned to the customer voice and making sure they are getting all the help they needed and they're able to succeed and overcome their business challenges in the space that you're experting in is, is the path I decided to be the right path as a learning curve to a journey that we are currently on. It's listening to the customers, understanding what they need, how to how to make sure that you are able to hit that those pains and understand what bug, what bothers them and what keeps them up at night. What are the challenges they are facing with?
0: Now, in your case, you know what would you say that uh, was the sequence of events that really led you to uh, get going with Sisti, you know, and really with your co-founder and CTO to say, okay, you know, let's <laughs> let's go.
1: So. First of all, and this is kind of one of the biggest things that I believe made a big difference is the market, right? One of the things that I learned during my business school is that if you have to choose a market to bet on, you have to make sure that the market is big and it's growing. So that was a check that we needed to make sure that we're checking. So the cloud market for the cloud computing market is a huge market that's supposed to reach around a trillion dollars by 2027. And it's part of the digital revolution we're currently experiencing. It's viable for any business survival. And there is so much happening today in the digital world that requires cloud computing to be there, to be up and to be running and that was pre the era of ai right i'm talking about 5 to 6 years ago before ai became mainstream it's it's becoming it's starting to become now but even before that we saw that the digital era is becoming and growing so that was the hit, that was the checkbox we needed to check the second checkbox we we needed to check was uh people right? Customers, users. What makes them want to buy a product? So we, all, we always focused on how we can save you time and money. Those are the most two precious uh, and valuable assets you have. If I'm able to save you time and if I'm able to save you money, most there is a higher probability that you'll be uh, happy to chat with me.
0: So I guess for the people that uh, that are listening to get it, what ended up being the business model of Sesti? How do you guys make money?
1: So we're making money by actually optimizing uh, cloud infrastructure using automations.
0: How has it evolved? How has it evolved to like the business model to to be like boom? We got product market fit. <laughs> So we, we
1: started by going and listening to customers. We started with an understanding of what, what, the current, what is, are the current offerings to, of the market? What are the challenges of the market? What is the gap? The gap is between 30 to 40% of low utilization of cloud infrastructure. And we double-click on the markets, and we understood that uh, and it was a long journey. To the fact that, hey, customers don't need another tool that will tell them, that will show them information. They need someone who would do that, who would implement things that they are being told what, what should be, they should be doing. And the implementation piece is a heavy piece, it's a risky piece, it's a, it's a cumbersome piece. So we said if we will solve that piece, we'll have traction. So the journey of understanding the current landscape, understanding what's missing in the current landscape, figuring out how you build the automation piece that would be valuable and sufficient enough for the customers to trust you
0: was the tricky part. Hey guys, so pardon the interruption here. So I got to tell you that with that being said, if you would like to find out more, feel free to send me an email at alejandro at panteraadvisors.com and we would love to take a look at helping you out. So if we are thinking about the company too, you know, thinking about the problem here, as your colleagues would say, thinking about Sestion, the big you know, picture type of approach, you know, how, how do you see that? So the big picture type of approach is...
1: Making sure that companies today, tomorrow, and in a few years are able to benefit from a more efficient cloud infrastructure. Now, if you zoom in to the engineers, right, to the people who are writing code and developing, they want to develop, they want to drive, they want to create. Not a lot of them are happy to monitor, do maintenance, and optimize it's it's a it's not something that by the world developers are doing. developers are there to develop. but because of the econo- because of the economy and because of lack of efficiency and because of all these changes, there is a need to optimize. Now you optimize both for stability, you optimize for performance, and then you have to optimize for costs. And in this extremely dynamic environment, you have to master it all three. Now, if you're doing that, you're not actually helping develop new products. So you're constantly in a battle of what you're gonna choose and what you're gonna do.
0: Now, when it comes to uh, to capitalizing the business, how much capital have you guys raised to date? So we raised 116 million dollars. Since and I know that the the journey was not easy, and with raising the one hundred and sixty million dollars, I know that the first day of rodeo was a, a nightmare. You know what? What do you think happened there? What What do you think you know happened for for it not to pan out the way that you had uh, hoped for?
1: So, first of all, we were naive. Like to be honest, it's uh, it's easy. It's easier said than done. Uh. The probability of securing an initial funding round is so low and so insignificant that you really have to figure something out that is really unique and special uh, and to find that little piece and create a and zoom out from that little piece and expand it to a, a larger offering. It's not that easy. So when you're coming to investors and saying, hey, I'm able to do something, but it's simplistic. Nobody pay no nobody wanna give you money. If you're a first-time founder, you're falling into that because of your lack of experience, uh you really have to master the market. You really have to understand what 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 kicks. You need to prove that you're able to sell. You have to prove that you're able to attract talent before somebody will bet on you. And that was my experience. So it took us quite a long process of actually getting conviction from investors.
0: And as you're thinking too, now looking back and, and all the money that you guys have raised... How, how do you see now, from what lens do you see now, the importance of choosing the right investor and how to go about that?
1: So I always believed that, and this is kind of the lesson learned from my first company, bring, try to bring people, surround yourself with people that are smarter than you, out with the same mindset with complementary skill set that can help you achieve things that you will not be able to achieve on your own. Uh, we were really strategic about choosing our investors and the people were we have in our board, as we see different values from each and every one of them. And this is fund for me. It's fundamental to have people that. On one way or figuring out and helping you drive and navigate, leveraging their experience, their network, their knowledge, their past background, their capabilities. This is helpful to any founder, if you're your first-timer or a fifth-timer, having those smart people with networks, with skill set, with mindset, with, with empathy. It's 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 invaluable.
0: Now, in this case too, as 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 we're talking about bringing on investors, customers, employees, let's say vision is a big one here, no? But let's say you were to go to sleep tonight, Maxim, and you wake up in a world where the vision of Cesti is fully realized. What does that world look like? Uh,
1: for an engineer. You think about how you build an amazing app and everything else, the setup, the infrastructure, the flow. You're caring about building an app and and figuring out the go-to-market. You don't really care about uh, infrastructure. Infrastructure for you is is simple. You don't have to demystify. You don't have to change. You don't have to adjust. You don't have to adopt. It just works
0: so so then in that case you know just to um, to to continue on that as well and we're talking about people you guys have now over 200 employees how has it been to the journey of um really ramping things up scaling things up not only at a product and technical level but then also at a human level
1: no oh, that that's the hardest part that's the hardest part because uh you at some point you Build things that assume that will last. You don't always sure if you're doing the right thing. Uh, you see that people that you brought will do will will be great, and at some point you understand that it's it's kind of stopped working, and they're burning out, and they're burned out. And you actually have to make hard decisions. On one hand, on the other hand, you have to make sure to figure out how you attract talents from companies that are larger, more seasoned, and you bring more seasoned people to Zesty, how you make sure to maintain the same culture and the same DNA around the management, how that trickles down to the last employee, how you are able to create the same fun work environment where it was only the Say that me and my co-founder, we had fun, like we enjoyed how we're able to achieve that, or not a hundred percent of the time, but most of the time, with a broader group of people that were able to bring and get them sharing their ideas, kind of cultivate a culture where there's no ego, which is well, it's not that easy to achieve, where you're able to create a platform for people to Be innovative, drive, execute, and enjoy. And that that part is not really easy, especially that company goes through different stages and there are different evolutions. And some people are better for certain stage and some people are better for the following stage. So you have to kind of understand and how to navigate through these transitions in a very uh, compelling way.
0: What about also navigating having two different offices like you guys have, you know, which is the Bay Area and also Israel, and going about the fact that, look, culture is going to be one for the company, but they're going to differ from one office to the other. It's just the nature of it.
1: I'll address the bigger part, which is the most difficult. I would say it's a 10-hour difference, right? You have to wake up really early to catch some, of to have an overlap of schedule. Uh, That's been really hard. Other than that, we are trying to kind of adjust cultures because we, we, we believe in the four elements of, of building a, a solid culture is trust. We have, we're operating on blinded trust. If you're part of the company, we trust you. We, there's a lot of mutual professional and personal respect that, hey, like, you are a professional in your field. Let's figure out how we're building things together by sharing experience and figuring this out the third one is common goal, right? We're all in this together. So it doesn't really matter if you're based in Israel and if you're based in the States and if you're based in the East Coast, West Coast, Europe it doesn't really matter if we are part of one group that has one goal that's right there. And the fourth one is kind of sharing and receiving feedback where here's the culture plays a part. but if you if the feedback is shared with good intentions, that my the goal of sharing and receiving feedback is to elevate and to help my peer, my colleague, to kind of do a better job and be more successful. Then it kind of creates a culture that is, you know, kind of flat, which is across the across the sites. It's, it's it doesn't see sites.
0: So then, so then in this case, too, you know, I was saying, we're thinking now about Sesti and 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 where things are heading as well. I wanna I wanna ask you, you know, as well in this regard, if you if if I was to put you into into a time machine, just to just to think about the past too, because we are we've been talking about the future, but I wanna talk about the past with a lens of reflection. Let's say I was to put you into a time machine and I was to bring you back in time. You know, maybe to that moment that you were thinking about getting started with the business. You know, maybe like 2018, right? When when you and your co founder, you know, were you know, bouncing back ideas and, you know, and, and so forth. And let's say you're able to go back there and have a chat with that younger self, with that younger Maxim, And you're able to give that younger Maxime one piece of advice before launching a business. What would that be and why, given what you know now?
1: Oh, it's a good one. <laughs> it's sometimes worse to take pauses and, 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 and go on breaks. Like, take more vacations like do something that can explain to you why you're doing this it's it's uh it's something that as time passes you kind of realize that hey i i needed to take more breaks as time passed um not longer ones but like have a power break longer weekend something that that will help because the journey is is really is a roller coaster. And if you are not if you're not building your schedule to balance or have a slightly better balance, uh it's gonna be very difficult. Um that is the piece of advice I'll give myself and my co-founder, of course.
0: I love it. So, Maxime, for the people that are listening that would love to reach out and say hi, what is the best way for them to do so?
1: So through LinkedIn or through my email. My email is maxim maxim.zasty.co
0: or LinkedIn. Well, hey, easy enough. Well, Maxim, thank you so much for being on the Dealmaker Show today. It has been an honor to have you with us.
1: Alejandro, thank you so much for, for having me. And I'm looking forward to listening to the podcast.
0: If you like the show, make sure that you hit that subscribe button. If you could leave a review as well, that would be fantastic. And if you got any value,